Welcome to the Nightmare Box. (laughs) (laughs) Presenting mistakes for me. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting here with the beautiful, the effervescent, the Montanan, Kristen Pennington. I was going to come up with an. I, I, I wanted to find something unpacker, like the unique unpacker, like a cute, like procrastination princess, but with like a different type of nickname. And then I went into my dictionary, Thesaurus app, and typed in you, and most of those are not nice words to call anybody. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> it's like you. the unambitious, and it's like that, that's not true. Aww. She's not that. <laughs> I have been. The unkempt. <laughs> I have, aw, that's what I have been procrastinating, the unpacking. Um, I'm about to sneeze on this podcast. Well, I, uh, this beer looks fucking fantastic. Went to the, um, Walmart earlier and picked up this case of Bairn Craft Beers, uh, which I guess is a Montana brewery. And this one is called Dragon's Breath. Ooh. It's called a Dark Hef Ale. Uh, it is deliciously complex, multi-body, balanced, bitterness. Have you tried it yet? No, but that's what it says on the bottle. So now I'm going to give it my test. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is balanced bitterness. Ooh, I kind of <laughs> like that. Give that one a shot. <laughs> is it too hopsy? Are you tricking No, me? it's kind of got like a spicy aftertaste to it. I don't know if it's like cinnamon or what. Yeah, I do actually like that. There we go. That's the uh, the beer review for the podcast. There'll be another one because I have to. I've got a second bottle here on the table. That's a lager that I'm going to follow it up. You with. also had to find a substitute for your cobras and. Uh, yeah. Here I am. <laughs> Either Rock me like a the Montana equivalent of Brett's cobras or the altitude one. <laughs> had me it's fucked catching up. Catching you hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can normally drink like two of the Cobras down in Tennessee, and uh, that's enough for most people to go to jail, and that's normally like how I start my, my afternoon. So, you know, I sip those, and then I get into the expensive beers, because I can spend $5, get fucked up on Cobras, and don't drink as much of the, you know, high-price IPA. You might turn me into a beer drinker. I really do actually kind of like that. I took a sip of my wine afterwards, and I was like, well, that's a little disappointing in comparison. <laughs> But they've got no, or they, they might have cobras up here. I don't know. I haven't found any yet in all the places that I've gone. So, yeah, I picked up the hurricane and uh, I was fucking obliterated. We were trying to play the serial killer board game last night and I I don't think I got any questions right. Like, oh, I, no, you got two. Because, like, the point of the game is you kill a person yeah. and you go dump their body at the body dump and you did get two bodies. But then you also kept landing on the uh, situation cards, and I stole two of your bodies from you. <laughs> <laughs> you just weren't having much luck. Yeah, you were like the highwayman of serial murder. <laughs> it's like, thank you, this is my body now. <laughs> I never lose that game. I don't understand how I lost that game. Mm, that's the uh, latest we've stayed up since we got here, and I think we were still in bed well before midnight, and oh, we didn't yeah. finish the game because we were too tired. <laughs> We were so. probably in bed by 10. We were like, fuck this. We're like, we're going to party all night. No, we did not. Did not party Just all night. slowly becoming yeah. too old for much mountain people. That fast. <laughs> Within the first week, we just turn into those people we run into at Walmart trying to tell me facts about the Kentucky Derby. This lady walks up. She goes, oh, you were born on May 3rd. Sometimes the Kentucky Derby happens on May 3rd. Not like all the time it Just happens. Sometimes. It's not like December 25th. And they're like, oh, that's Christmas. And it was like, sometimes it happens on May 3rd. 
like had half the heart to just be like, oh, when were you born? Oh, yeah. Sometimes that's a Tuesday. Like, I don't give a fuck <laughs> when the Kentucky Derby is happening. You like, don't want to wear a fancy hat and no. go watch horse races? The best thing that came out of the Kentucky Derby was Hunter S. Thompson's story about the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I've always thought that was a weird, like, I don't understand why it's so popular. They wear the most ridiculous yeah. outfits and then just watch people beat horses. Yeah. It's like Bellagarth for pompous white people who wish they were born in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to roll into yeah. the 20s, though, so imagine be, all the great Gatsby parties we're going to be having. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait, because that means we're in between World War Three and World War Four. <laughs> Prohibition's about to end. Marijuana's about to be legalized. I have a whole theory about how we're just reliving the same century. Yeah, I have two theories. You know them both. Uh, I'm convinced that we're stuck in the same century. So right now we're, you know, looking like 1919, but it's 2019. And then my second theory is that we're in um, continually reliving 1965 to 1975, and we've yet to break out of that loop. I don't know which one it is yet, but... (laughs) I think that's how America works. I think we're stuck in 65 to 75, where it's like we become old curmudgeons, and then like all of our things start to turn on us, and from that, another sexual revolution leads into another massive war we can never get our way out of. It's, it, you get it. <laughs> Eventually, we're not going to be fighting each other, though. Eventually, we're going to be fighting the robots. Yeah. So that's going to be a World War five or six or seven. Look forward to that cycle. We won't be fight. I don't think it's going to be six, seven, and eight. Like I think it's going to be whatever the robot war is is the last one. No, I'm no, I'm saying it'll be you know either six or seven, mm-hmm. whichever order it comes in. It'll be the last one humans are around for. You can look forward to that. One. <laughs> yeah, because I've also got that theory where that's how the Chinese are going to take us all out. Like they've got small Semtex explosives in all of our phones, and Those depending phones on where, up yeah, aren't an accident. Yeah, depending on when your phone blows up, depends on what part of you is maimed. So like, there's going to be people walking around with no left ass cheek, mm-hmm. people walking around with no dick. Some dude has half of his face blown off. Like <laughs> these are the maimed warriors. Almost everybody <laughs> has their no left who hand. Steps it into her bra. Yeah. This is one of her boobs. Yeah, she's got like only right titty now. <laughs> uh, I'd live my life in workout pants, so mine would be a chunk of my thigh. Yeah. The pockets are on the thigh. I almost. think that's how the Chinese are going to kill us. Like uh, one day, all of our phones are just going to blow up. We're going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> Not the sex robots? I don't think there will be enough sex robots to effectively damage. I think you could sell sex robots in massive numbers and then turn them into gun-wielding fucking sociopathic robots. Like maybe that's the step. It would just be an army of naked Russian women just like Isn't sleeping that in the street. In, um, wow, sorry. That's totally, I don't know why we're even talking about this. We actually have shown us today. But isn't that in Austin Powers? Doesn't like, one of the yeah. robots have cone she, boobs she's to got, shoot? She's got machine gun titties yeah. and she like sprays the whole room down. She like pulls her bra off and it's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, baby. We gotta watch Austin Powers. I haven't seen that in years. I, have, I, don't, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. <laughs> We gotta go back. The spy that shagged me. The spy that shagged me. Yeah, <laughs> mini me, which is not a, mm. a, a a thing you could make anymore. No. <laughs> I like how their relationship with each other. It's just like, I love you. You complete me. <laughs> God damn. 
But speaking of ridiculous movies, uh, we will be getting back to our Two Star Tuesdays because uh, right now is the perfect time for Two Star Tuesdays. Like We just had yeah. Friday the 13th a second ago. Yeah, like September yesterday. all the way through December is nothing but great, terrible horror films. So we might like get 10 or 12 in the bag and just drop them on you guys like later <laughs> on throughout the year. Because we got to watch so many of them. There's going to be so many, like, Santa Claus Comes and Kills the Kids movies. <laughs> and then so many bad slasher films. There's going to... That's not a... Uh, I don't know what that noise was. <laughs> if you're hearing the water in the background, we left the windows open today. That's the fountain right outside our house. So uh, it forever sounds like it's raining here. Yeah. And it's the most soothing thing ever. Yeah, turn the podcast And up. I didn't... I didn't feel like closing the windows today, so you get to listen to our soothing ambiance. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's not... Uh, I'm scream over the top of our soothing ambiance. <laughs> that's not a, a two-star, but uh, I did see the next season of American Horror Story is like 80s slasher, 90s slasher based. It's a slasher series. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're definitely doing that. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen like the posters and some of the promotion for it, and it's a the whole season this next season is slasher film based i'm down that that show has taken over my life and then (laughs) let me down so hard and then taken over my life you know it's like a cycle like i I love that they always use the same actors Mm -hmm. um it makes it feel more like a theater troupe kind of situation but some of those plot lines i was like i i honestly i i don't give a shit i I tapped out on the serial serial killer mansion one and that should have been the one that i was most invested in i loved the circus one where they were the carnies See, i didn't like the circus one that was where i tapped out you like, tapped the out on carnies me yeah i didn't i like it felt a little too over the top for me by that season so i it reminded me and i can't remember the name of the old horror movie but the one that the old black and white about the carnies where they used actual carnies Sounds vaguely familiar, yeah. but I don't know what it's called. I, I can't like, remember. I feel it. like I've heard that before. Well, I've seen that movie, and that's kind of what they were doing with that whole show. And they had some real deal dudes, like the guy with the lobster claws, based on an actual serial killer who would like beat to people to death with his crazy hand. I would like to. I it's don't my know. Special hand. Since you brought up black and white, I would like to. I don't know if we could find one that was like poorly rated because I feel like. You want to watch a poorly rated silent film? Yeah, like an old black and white horror. Well, it doesn't necessarily even have to be silent, just like an old black and white horror, because that would be kind of interesting judging a film that doesn't have, like, color and the way it's shot and stuff, but I feel like old classic movies are very heavily praised sometimes, even when they're not that good, Mm -hmm. so we'd probably have a hard time finding an old horror film that people were like, oh, it sucked. I want to get one of those big DVD packs that has, like, all the classic horrors. I used to have one. All the way up. Like, I want, like, Nosferatu, but, like, I also want, like, the original Godzilla. (laughs) I haven't seen Nosferatu. I do need to watch that one. It's, I know, like, one that's heavily praised for the yeah. way the lights and the shadows and the scenery and everything looked that I've ever seen. That one, like, created the American vampire. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, maybe not the American vampire, but, like, the... Not the suave, you know, Dracula vampire. Or it's not like, oh, hello, I'd like to drink your blood. This one is like, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking rape your family. <laughs> My creepy hand, and I'm all bent over. 
the set. I mean, I've seen like snippets of it. I've never like watched it, but I've seen like little short clips of it. The set looked like something creepy that you would see like in a Tim Burton film. Like yeah. the set was all like twisted and weird too. Want to do that? I want to get like a Hitchcock thing and then just do like a month where we do nothing but watch fucking the all the Hitchcock movies mm-hmm. just see kind of what he did with the black and white and the storylines because mm-hmm. I'm not a massive Hitchcock fan in that I've not seen many Hitchcock films like I've seen The Birds and I've seen Psycho and I think those are the only two that I've seen yeah I will say that is one thing I do miss about college um, it seemed like a pain in the ass at the time because it was like a homework assignment and yeah. then you had to like do a test over it or like write a thing about it or whatever so it seemed like such a pain in the ass at the time but we would get um that was where i watched uh birth of a nation because you asked me you're like you've seen that and i like it was my film theory class um you're like yeah i like birth of a nation no, i was I like the concepts or say, the film? no i didn't say i liked it i said i'd seen it that's a very racist film no i didn't like it at all but i have seen it but that was that class that i watched that in and like the original get, birth of the nation they remade it and that one's Racially yeah, I saw the, okay. I saw the original. Spike Lee's adaptation is much different. <laughs> I saw the original, and that the dude that made it is—I don't know if he's still alive or not, but I know in his interviews in his later life he was still hyper racist. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, I do miss that because we would get like assigned films, and for the most part, they weren't like films you'd really seen. Like we started in the silent film black and white era and slowly worked up into more traditional films. So when we got to the more traditional films, like some of the more films we had seen already, like we had to do Jaws as one, yeah. and then uh, Eternal Sunshine, which is one of my favorite films. Uh, I've never seen that ones. one. I know, we have to watch it. It was on Netflix <laughs> before we moved. I don't know if it's still on there now, but we have to watch it. It's such a good movie. Um, but like we would get, you know, assigned films. Oh, Eternal we... Sunshine. Yeah. I thought you said Turtle Sunshine. <laughs> no. I was like, I have never even heard of Turtle Sunshine. You're like, it's on Netflix. And I was like, how in the fuck does a name that ridiculous? How has that never stood out to me? No, I, I need to watch yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. It's a beautiful um, movie. I definitely want to. But I thought you had found a movie called Turtle Sunshine. And I was like, I'm that, make I, that movie now. I, was like, I don't know what it's about. But I know the name is fucking next level. <laughs> sold already <laughs> making that movie yeah uh, but no like we had to watch a lot of especially when we were doing like older era films like a lot of movies that i had never watched that do kind of change your perspective on filmmaking because totally different style like totally different way of going about the storytelling aspect so i like i even not for two star tuesday films it would be nice to just like watch some older films or classic films or whatever. I'm down. We definitely need to do Eternal because you've been telling me all... Can we close the screen door? The screen is closed. Or, yeah. That's the windows. Do you want me to close the yeah, windows? Yeah, if you don't mind. They're throwing some sort of a party at the little <laughs> pit place and it, I thought it was going to be a quiet thing with a couple of their friends. No, we definitely need to watch more of the classics and more uh, good movies. <laughs> we got to come up with the time to... Uh, there we go. But we can't tell funny stories about good films. Oh, we good. can. I can rewatch The Godfather. Just, you know, for the sake of uh, our careers. <laughs> Not because it's one of the greatest mil- films ever made. The mill was ever made. Oh, okay. Kristen is just bent on destroying our podcast studio. She just lived a life where she thought our $2 Walmart table was just going to take the 
<laughs> full weight of a human body and almost tossed me, herself, the table, the computer, the mic stand, the drinks, the drinks all over creation. <laughs> You dropped the wine bottle earlier, so... No, the bag was broken. I was, uh, it's not my fault. I was distracted learning about the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it's been a long You day. just tried to WWF your way back into this podcast. A like glass should have broken in the background. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. You smell what the rock is cooking. <laughs> the rock is cooking dragon's breath, dark half ale. Delicious, complex, multi-body. I saw a meme, speaking of The Rock, again, we have show notes. I don't know why we're talking about nothing today. Um, I saw a meme that was Dwayne's World instead of Wayne's World, and it was The Rock with, like, the mullet hairstyle. It was just awesome. (laughs) It was pretty funny. But, uh, so, yeah, I guess we could, we're going to boot back up with the Two Star Tuesdays. Um... But we went to Kelly Island today, which is like five miles away from our apartment, which was fucking awesome. And we sat out on a riverbank, mm-hmm. and I stuck my feet in the river, and you went. It was cold. Calves in the river. Oh, you I were, calves you were the out river. there yeah. wading in that shit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I got my toes in and noped out. <laughs> <laughs> it is cold, and I don't mean like. It, Swimming in a pool, kind of cold, but you'll get used to it like cold. I mean, mountain stream. <laughs> my feet, I was like, man, my feet feel so nice right now. And then I touched my feet and realized my feet were numb from the cold. <laughs> and I was like, I should probably put them back up on the bank and let them warm up for a second. My toesies are wheezing. <laughs> Jax was just living his best life. Yeah, he was fucking frolicking around. He jumped in there, like drinking while he's. Shook it off on both of us and then jumped back in again. Kristen got like one pinky toe in and said, I'm just going to stick my pinky in it. Yeah. Just so I can say I hear. It was like I had my feet resting on the rocks. It was like every time the uh, current would wash in, it was like grazing the pads at the bottom of my feet. And I was like, that's good. That's that's all I need right there. Just that little sampling. (laughs) You've officially and I've officially dipped our feet. We basically got, like, Christian baptized in the Montana <laughs> River today. It's really pretty out there, too. Like, you you can't hear anything at all except for just the river. And we weren't outside of town by any means. We were still, yeah. like, right near where we live. It was weird, though, driving out of there. Because we went the longer way back around. And we went up this mountainside and then back down mm. the side of the mountain. That was really pretty. And then just kind of like looked up and we were in traffic again. I was like, oh shit, we made it all the way back to Missoula and and we never uh, technically left. I don't know if you have or not, but I saw my first bison in person today. Yeah. I've never seen bison in person. Those are big bastards. Yeah. (laughs) I was super happy they were on that side of the fence. (laughs) Shit, that was a super loud one. We've got that same, not that the windows are closed, that same really quiet studio quality that we had in Laura's garage. Yeah. Bayer Amber Lager, <laughs> full body, Bavarian style, Marzen. 
<laughs> and the fan ticking is literally the only other sound. <laughs> it sounded like a It's so quiet. That was the perfect radio read. I need to get on the phone with Baron <laughs> and tell them that if they send me a case of beer a week, I will plug them twice a <laughs> week on here. Smash and talk about you. Oh, on yeah. The podcast. I'll get hammered and drink your beer all day, We're Baron. Gonna kick back up our Hello Fresh here soon, too, so. We're going to weasel our way into HelloFresh <laughs> being a sponsor <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> but yeah, we went to uh, we went to Kelly Island and it got me thinking about like the importance of mental clarity um, when it comes to both life and like art, like, like artistic stuff. Because um, I feel like we've been running full tilt for well over a month now, you know, probably the Honestly, past two or year. three months. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> Solid you. Well, it's it's been. I mean, we got out of college and then we relaxed, right? No, no, we got out of college. Brett started a production company. We fucking, we started well, hammering this thing back. I I will say for sure, the past couple of weeks have been infinitely more stressful just because we had so much more on our plates, and then we had to separate. <laughs> well, is it tasty? Yeah. <laughs> We're to Bam, separate. Amber ale. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> we had to separate for a while, so part of that stress we were having to just deal with on our own, like separately. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we graduated college, immediately moved in together, immediately started a production company, and it's just been go, 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 go. And I think the stress of living in such a busy, like, jam packed city. Like, mm-hmm. just made all the stress of just life seem that much more monumental in here. There was no here. getting away from it at all. And, like, here we're still doing a lot of the same stuff. Like, I'll be working a little bit less than I was before, but we'll be working that much more on our own yeah. like, uh, Thank Christ. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so excited about that. But, yeah, like, even just... Which, granted, I haven't started my new job yet, so maybe that's why I feel a little more relaxed. You've still been going to work, but I, I feel... Christian's like, I've had a whole week off work. Yeah. I feel and great. So, like, I've still been getting up at the same time you've been no, getting up. you've been up, getting so. up at the same time. You've unpacked basically the whole apartment. I'm very proud of you. I'm not trying to take that away from you at all, love. But I, I feel so, like, decompressed, like, now that we're on the other side of everything. Sitting out there today, where there was nothing to listen to, like mm-hmm. no cars, no sirens, no honking horns, no planes. It was just the current of the river, you know, wrapping around the rocks, and Jax's dumbass getting up and jumping around and then running back out <laughs> into the river. And we laid down, or I laid down with the dog. <laughs> and oh, it's been so for nice. about an hour, that was the whole focus was. Here we are. We made it. And it makes everything else a lot easier to deal with. Like, mm. even, like, the work week stress is just, like, I don't feel that. That might be the beer. <laughs> <clears throat> but it's always nice to, like, get away from the, the stress. And it's doable. I mean, we didn't have to go very far because we live here now. Um, it might be more difficult for listeners that are, I don't know, hanging out in Mexico um, <laughs> to get away from their immediate stressors. But everybody has a place that they can go to. No matter where you live, you know you found that place. And if you're telling me you didn't, then you're a liar. Um, where you can go and just sit and think. And even if that's your own living room, you know, I think that's healthy. Yeah. 
especially for the creative people, because you can just overload your brain sometimes and just start short-circuiting and nothing fucking makes sense. It's like sit in the quiet and just in, the, in our iPhone world, it's a little more difficult. To unplug, yeah. Yeah, yeah. stuck my phone in my shoe. I was like, I'm <laughs> sitting over here. Fuck everybody that wants to talk to me over on this side of the thingy. I'm staying in the moment with my girl, and we're taking care of business. Well, we do that too, which we still did that in Tennessee as well. Um, but it's significantly nicer here. But like we do that too, like with our uh, back porch area, like in Tennessee, we would sit and listen to the hum of the highway. <laughs> a little less soothing, but you know, we would always have like a half hour or so at the very least every night that we would kind of sit out there and just decompress together. And like here, we go sit on our balcony and listen to the soothing ambiance of our waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot nicer here, but still like our, our back porch area has always been like our, like our spot. So it's been nice. Like having like still that nightly ritual of like, we're just going to sit here and be for a minute. <laughs> And then we'll go make dinner. <laughs> We're doing steaks tonight. Oh, I'm so excited. I haven't, I haven't had steaks since you left. I have not had a steak since you left. Well, then uh, I'm going to have to crush these steaks. I'm so fucking excited for but, steak night. Uh, we've only been recording for 25 minutes, so don't get me too terribly hungry yet. My life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only, like, um, actually, no. Um kind of sticking on that same vein like mm-hmm. you and I had a conversation last night talking about writer's block because I've been stressed out because of all the stress because uh, that's what anxious people do and um, what a wild I, yeah. wild thought that stress could make you stressful <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't been writing as much as I normally do because typically I can I can bang out like the, the other night after I told you that I wasn't writing enough, I sat here and in five minutes like cranked out almost 300 words. Like it was fucking nothing. Um, I'm trying to get back into the routine of writing um, more and more. But we were talking last night about writer's block and Chuck Palahniuk who compared it to constipation. Like if you you can't just sit there and keep straining, like go out and eat some food, get some real world experiences until this disgusting metaphor kind of works, <laughs> works its course. Um, and you'd mentioned that um, massive life changes, like the ones that we're going through right now, changing us as people, but yeah. also changing us artistically. Yeah. Um, that's the thing we've talked about um before for sure i don't know what episode but i know we've definitely talked about it more than once before like the more you consume the more you kind of have to offer in response to that so um especially as creatives you know the more brett reads the more brett's gonna have Mm. uh to write about the more i watch the more i'm gonna have to uh, give you guys the robert cormier update because i can probably read this book in an afternoon so (laughs) maybe next podcast maybe the one after you'll have a Robert Cormier Brett's take on the book you read in the sixth grade. <laughs> so I'm actually kind of interested in that. I may snatch that book from you when you're done and read it just to... The first paragraph. <laughs> yeah. motherfucker one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, on that level, like, I, I think that that's important. Um, I, I have for sure been guilty about not consuming enough films, I guess, for 
someone who's like, oh, like I want to make movies, I probably should watch more than I do. But um, outside of just that literal activity, I think um, going out and experiencing the world around you more absolutely helps. Um, you know, I, I know that not everybody has any ambition to move across the country or even move out of your town that you live in. So maybe for you, that's just going out and exploring your neighborhood or, you know, going on a hike at your local park or whatever. But, um, just find a new place to get lunch. Yeah. Or, you know, if you want to go hang out at like a elderly person's home and talk to the elderly people there and hear their stories, even if it's a small local activity, you know, I think that that stuff's really important. And, Brett and I have had this conversation with each other a few times. Like, our change was a bit more monumental, but I, like, on... I'm bipolar. Can't do things <laughs> in small leaps. I have a tendency to just complete Fuck it! <laughs> but on the other side of this, like, it, it... It was really stressful getting it done and making everything happen. And, um, like, I don't think either of us ever thought... We weren't going to make it happen, but we were kind of like, oh, dear God, how are we going to make yeah. it happen at points? And um, sitting on the other side of it, it's kind of like, oh, well, fuck, it worked out, you know? And How important do you think the mindset is? Because, you know, I, I, I don't want to, like, dive deep into my, my religious feels and stuff like that. Um, to have it in your mind that it's not a how or it's not a can we, but it's a how can we kind of question. The difference just in that very. mental space. Like I, I think it's very important. I, I think because we could have sat there all night, we could still be sitting there tonight. We could have re-signed that lease and been like, "Can we move to Montana?" Yeah. No. no but I think we it's... asked ourselves, "How do we make it happen?" About six months ago, and bam. <laughs> no, I, I think it's very important. I, I think um, there are enough negative voices in anybody's atmosphere like there are always going to be people in your life who are like well that's too risky and don't do that on this side of things (laughs) where they're like that sounds way too risky and i was like well uh lo and fucking behold here i am standing before you (laughs) but yeah i mean everywhere that you go those people exist and those people probably honestly will for most people um vastly outnumber the level of encouragement you're getting from the outside so you kind of have to be your own biggest cheerleader and if you don't look at your challenges as things that are doable if you Mm -hmm. put in the work and instead view them as this like why is this happening to me or like I can't do this or whatever then you're admitting defeat before you've ever even got started so yeah I think as far as that goes your own mentality being your own cheerleader and making as we've said before the small incremental steps to get to the bigger Mm -hmm. goal are hugely important it's like that classic story that carrie jim carrey of the carrie family um (laughs) not the stephen king character uh nor john carrey um Where he, uh, where he's talking to the uh, the high school kids, and he mm-hmm. says, you know, he gave himself a check. He wrote a a, a check for a million dollars, dated like a specific date or whatever. And he was like, I I know at a certain point I'll be able to cash that check. And he carried his check around in his wallet. How do I make a million dollars so I can cash this fucking check mm-hmm. against myself? Um, but it is, you know massively uh, uh, how can I do it how can I write that first draft how can I shoot that first film how can I 
like if you put yourself in the can I write my first book? Can I shoot my first film? You've put yourself in a defeatist attitude. Um, starting with the this thing is possible. People have done this. Uh, how can I do this? And then looking at everything as a how can I make that you know, happen? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think anything. You know, we, we weren't raised to think that things were impossible. They were just paths that people chose. <clears throat> the road less traveled, if you will. <laughs> 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 to bring up some pretty basic bitch poetry. I know you're making fun of me because I like that poem. <laughs> My mother loves that poem. People like that don't that read poem. a lot of poetry love that poem. <laughs> I like that poem. No, it's a brilliant one. But, um, yeah, like, you know, for sure your mindset is 100%, I feel like, key in getting stuff done, and sometimes you do have to be practical. Donald Trump is the president of the fucking United States. (laughs) Anybody could do this. If Bush and Trump made it to the presidency, I feel like I could become president one day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a doable thing. Like, I... If they figured it out, I'll figure it out. <laughs> they also had significantly more money. <laughs> well, I will. Yeah. F- I can rob people too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but, Taxation uh, stuff. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, I like I said, I, I think your mindset is a hundred percent key, and you know, the truth is, you probably will have to make sacrifices, and you probably will have to deal with being a little uncomfortable for a while, and. Um, to that end that's how bad do you want it you know exactly but um i I think if you don't have a monumental life change that you want to make that's fine if um you only want to go explore new stuff in your local community then that's still very helpful but I, i think for us in particular we've both talked about how much this massive life change has changed us as people and you know i don't i don't feel like a entirely different person like i don't recognize tennessee Kristen from Mm -hmm. montana Kristen. it's not like that dramatic of a change but i I feel like a very different very like more confident stronger person and i we've multiple times been like well like all these experiences have changed our perspectives and like all the things that we could accomplish now that we've accomplished this thing that seemed so difficult only a couple of weeks ago I, i think going out and consuming life challenges is vital to if you're a creative person creating stuff um your understanding of your own art like if you're not consuming other art and consuming life and taking risks just in your daily life like how honestly bold are you going to be in your work I mean, we want, we all wind up in that same fucking box at the end of the day, and there are people who got done what they wanted to get done, and there are people who wish that they got it done. No, I don't like to tie everything back around my dear old dad. Rest <laughs> in peace. Love you, pops. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that was my massive takeaway, was that, you know, there were things left on the table that he could have done, or could have did, and didn't. Um, and I'd rather be old and fail with a bunch of really cool stories that I only tell like four other people because they're (laughs) the only people in my life than be like uh, dead and boring (laughs) (laughs) well I think dead and with regrets like Mm -hmm. and that's a thing Brett and I have talked about like 
I have a tendency to lean towards trying to people please and it's like at the end of the day I'm the one who has to live with my own life <laughs> and um, acknowledge the choices that I made with my life and I can, I can spend my days worrying like oh is this person mad at me or I'm, I'm making this person proud but when I'm 40 or 50 or 80 whatever point in yeah. my life I check out of this mortal realm I'm the one who has to lay there and be like well goddamn, like why didn't I do this well there I was I was <laughs> trying to uh, impress all these people who died before I did and now I stand here they are no longer around for me to disappoint and I am no longer able to impress myself <laughs> So, go do the shit. A hundred percent. As I said in our last episode. Yeah. Go do the damn thing. Go do the damn thing. <laughs> Speaking of doing the damn thing, see how good I am? Segways. <laughs> uh, Still pointing them out, though. I know. If I could get past that, I'd be even better. Mistakes <laughs> for me. Not a huge fan of that one, but it'll. It's live. a lighter one. It's a bit yeah. light compared to your normal beers. What's that? What's that one? That is the taste of Montana, brought to you by Bairn. Montana original lager. It's the color of pale lager. <laughs> Multi sweet, noble hot. Tastes like a PBR. But uh, speaking about doing the damn thing, I am back up on the horse with my bullshit, as Eminem once put it in a song, or back up, back up on that bull like a horse. I don't know. <laughs> One of those. Songs. The 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 great rap poet, um, Eminem, once said, "I am." Back on that horse like a cowboy? I don't know. I, don't, I, <laughs> I have no idea how the line goes. I, I know I what you're talking yeah. about, but I don't know how it goes. I am back on my bullshit. And <laughs> 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 I am uh, working on a thing that I've kind of bounced around in my head for probably about two years now, but I don't think I had, like, I was too close to everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. The trip to Montana has given me a mental distance where I feel like it, now I can write about these things that I just have collected in notepads. I can kind of put them together and, and expound upon them and fix them up. So we've kind of more or less moved into a new stage of our lives. Yeah. So, so I've got a like a memoir, short story, flash fiction. I don't quite know where it's going yet. I'm going to guess some of them are going to be a paragraph. Some of them are going to be, you know, three or four pages and um, kind of work within like a, a red line theme, kind of like the flash fictions that I read for Arroyo's class. Um, and in doing so, I've been stressed out because I couldn't find the time to sit down and write. And as I brought up earlier, uh, after saying that I was that stressed out, I came in here, banged out about 300 words, no issue, and then sat down and played Madden. And <laughs> so I know it's still there. Like, I haven't forgotten how to write. It's just finding the time amongst everything else that's going on right now. So one of the big things that I've been doing that I started this week um, was I, I need to get another moleskin. I might buy one tomorrow. Um, 
I normally carry one next to my wallet because it's small and I can just pull it out and jot down some thoughts and put it back in. But I've got a piece of my uh, legal pad that I've got in my wallet and I just pull out and I hide from the cameras at work and I write down like four or five things and then I put it back in my pocket. <laughs> I feel like I'm, you know, trying to sneak messages in a prison camp. <laughs> but that's the workforce these days. Um, but um, I've been collecting what Arroyo called glimpses, um, which is like the core to your story. You can tell a flash fiction, you can tell it in six words if you're really fucking good. Yeah, but it's an ABC plot in as few words as humanly possible, normally below 750. Um, you aim for like 750, 1250, but I, I took that class and I didn't respect myself if I went above the minimum. I wanted to always do less than 750 so I could hit ABC in two paragraphs or whatever. Um, but I've been carrying this thing around to collect the glimpses uh, so that I can I, I can write more uh, when it comes time to sit down and work on the draft, which is now an icon on the computer. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm I didn't su- know that. I'm super. Well, yeah, I've, I've got it by the title that you guys won't hear for now. but it's, <laughs> I know it, though. Ha, 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 ha. It's, it's a brilliant title. But I haven't I read the first yeah. novel yet, but I know the title. <laughs> of this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm excited about it. It's going to more or less focus on like the things that I learned in the time after my father passed away, where I was 25, and I was like, well, fuck, I'm supposed to be a man, but... I don't know what one looks like yet. So <laughs> how do you teach yourself kind of how to be a, like, a quote-unquote man? Um, I would actually, which that's a weird thing to say, I guess, because I've lived with you for almost a year mm-hmm. now. We've been dating for almost two years now, so I, you're not a stranger to me. I know a lot of these stories, and I feel like I know you fairly well. I um, met me about a year after it happened. So yeah, you, well... and You briefly and, missed the complete nervous breakdown (laughs) that too like it's such a bizarre thought because i i think when we first met we were both kind of in a weird place in our own personal lives so we were still working through our own shit and we kind of butted heads um a bit more frequently over weird things that we shouldn't have really been butting heads over but you've always for the most part did you put the big fork in the small fork (laughs) slot how the fuck are you gonna put the big fork in the small fork it wasn't Uh, stuff like that but you've always like even in hindsight it might as well (laughs) (laughs) but like even like when we were having those weird moments where we were just like for some reason not quite in sync with each other like you've always seemed so collected and um I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast or not. I think we have, but I'm a little bit older than Brett. And, like, I've always... Like, it's a very She's easy... 77 years old. She's the voice it's, of an angel. It's for, a very... For a woman in late retirement. <laughs> Shut up. It's a... No, but, like, it's a really easy thing for me to forget in your presence, for one, because you're a very tall guy. You're significantly taller than me, so that helps, because, like... I don't know why that just makes you seem older than you are. You should have seen the way these guys stared at me at the men's warehouse yesterday when I went to go get fitted for like I walked in the door post working at the shelter, so like my clothes were soiled and I just I had this I didn't want to drive all the way across fucking town today look on my face. And they're like, uh sir, is there anything I can do for you? And I'm like, Oh no, I'm just big. I'm by my apologies. So six two, I come out at two ten, I lift weights, I'll fight everybody in here, but I just want to get fitted for a suit. 
<laughs> but okay, physical appearance aside, like your personality, you've in which you've, you've realistically done more and seen more than I have. So that's not that far fetched that you would come across that way to me. But you've always seemed um, more collected and more, I, I guess, emotionally mature to me. Which I don't know if I've ever said that to you or not. But um, until you try to talk to me about emotion, <laughs> until I try to have emotion with you, yeah, and then you're apart like, like, no, lady, to fall apart like a twelve-year-old at the skating <laughs> rink. She tried to kiss me. She's she's a faggot. Leave her alone. Like as far as your maturity as a man, like you're a very like you were living on your own when I met you, like fully self sufficient, supporting yourself. Like you've always seemed incredibly mature and put together for me. So that's a weird thing for me too. Which I know we've we've talked about like your experiences and stuff that you've been through and like that incredibly difficult time in your life before. So I am aware of those things, but like for me to like reflect back on it I'm just like oh no Brett's like this incredibly like mature emotionally put together like man and like when I think of like oh fuck he was only 25 when his father died I'm like that's still like when I was 25 I was an immature kid still so I'm like I was out of the military I was (sighs) enrolled in college (laughs) well I mean so you were uh, granted to be fair you had gone through different things to me I feel like a 65 year old (laughs) if it makes you feel any better most days I wake up and I'm like what the fuck is going on (laughs) woke up mowed my father's widows my stepmother's lawn today (laughs) To, to be fair that is true you had already been through the service and everything by that point so you were probably emotionally in a different place Dead. at 25 <laughs> at 25 than I was at 25 but that is just like when that gets brought up yeah. like I, I am aware that that's how old you are or were when that happened um, but when that gets brought up and there's a number labeled onto it every time I'm just kind of like wow you were only 25 when that happened and like Again, still, regardless, it doesn't change my opinion of you. I think you're. I know people who lost their fathers in like toddlerhood. Oh, that that is, you know, that's true. I'm not saying that I'm stronger than anybody. (laughs) No, weaker than anybody. No, and I'm not either. I'm not trying to make comparisons. Um, But um, I mean, that doesn't change remotely my opinion of you. I still think you're, you know, incredibly mature, put together person. But (laughs) sorry, (laughs) having a weird emotional (laughs) moment here on the podcast. But like, I feel like that's a a story that I like, even though I already know you, you know, would want to read and that would be compelling because it is yeah. this incredibly life changing, difficult journey to go through at such a young age that, yeah, there are people who lose their family members at a younger age, but like, I, I feel like it isn't traditional. Most people don't lose their parents until they're, you know, adults with children and married yeah. and stuff on their own. A lot own, of our so. friends are just now losing their grandparents. Yeah. But, yeah. So I, like, I, I feel like, and I, I know that's going to be a very deeply personal work for you and probably difficult to write, but I, I'm really excited to read that because I, that is a, a difficult journey most people don't have to travel through at that young of an age. Well, it all so. stemmed out of that goddamn Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> I had my dad's truck, and my dad's truck died um, not long after he did. Uh, 
and I, I loved that truck. It was fucking awesome. But when they hit you with a bill and it's like you need to sell it <laughs> just to pay for the work that needs to be done for it. Like if you sell the truck, you can fix it for somebody else with the money you made <laughs> off selling it. Um, and I was able to sell it for uh, not a whole lot of money. And I had uh, $3,500 that I could drop on anything. And I bought a 1993 Jeep Wrangler that shit out on me the following weekend. <laughs> like, immediately was like, oh, there's uh, three inches of rust in your gas tank. And uh, it hasn't been driven in about 10 years. So <laughs> you're going to have to rebuild this Wrangler. And I remember coming up with the idea for the book that I'm finally getting around to writing, um, trying to change the fuel line out when the title hit me like right in the side of the head. And I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> like I, my dad was a, uh, it was spec ops for the majority of his career, but he was a jet engine mechanic before that. And after that, then he worked at Arnold and he was a jet engine maintenance like supervisor dude where like he walked down and make sure that you know nobody was about to blow themselves up before they started the test make sure nobody had blown themselves up after the test and went home got drunk and beat me up (laughs) (laughs) and so i had this unruly fucking vehicle and i still have it It, we we drove it all the way out to montana i feel like it's symbolic too of the story because She's still a little testy at times, but she's made the journey and she's come just as far as we have. Exactly. And I was there. I didn't have money for a mechanic to fix it, so I had to figure it out how to do it. And the one jet engine mechanic that I had in my family had recently passed away. So I was like, I don't know if that's the fuel line or if I just need to shoot this thing in the radiator prior style and get this fucking thing out of here. <laughs> And me and my friends slowly, like, basically rebuilt this Jeep. And then I worked to get, like, the bigger things taken care of by a mechanic so that it would all run and uh, knock on wood. We've not had an issue, a major issue, out of her in a long time. Which, and, like, again... Electrical problems, because I uh, have a soft top that pees on my legs, so all the water runs through the wiring, so I need to... Yeah. I've asked you before when we were riding the Jeep, I was like, is that safe? The water's dripping right where the wires are just sticking out. It's like, that didn't kill me yet. <laughs> that first day when I was driving it back, Ben was with me, and the sun was going down as we were pulling it down St. Andrews, and so, like, <laughs> there was a Ziploc bag tied around those cords in the radio area, and all those cords were touching each other. And as we were driving down the street, I hit the left turn signal. When I hit the left turn signal, all the wires down there at the radio thingy started sparking up. And Ben's like, that's going to catch the bag on fire. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> oh, my God. You've never told me that story. Yeah, this thing was fucked up from the get-go. I, <laughs> I should have sold it. I should have driven it through the dude's house that sold it to me. But I couldn't find his house, and I couldn't drive out there because the Jeep was all fucked up. So, <laughs> oh, no. so basically, I've taken to to writing this book, you know, where mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm going through my notepad, and I'm jotting down, like, hey, there's this story, there's this story, there's this mm-hmm. story. 
And at the end of the story, I've wound up here with you, um, or currently where we're at, I guess, in our story, I've wound up here with you, um, with that bastard-ass Jeep still sitting out in the parking lot. And, like, again... And we taught ourselves how to move across the country. (laughs) And, again... Sorry to you, I'm having a weird mush. Um, I know you're having a weird mush. I've been mush. having a weird mush since I got here. Like, I felt, As of the recording of this, I haven't even been here for a full week yet, so <laughs> I, I'm allowed to be weirdly mushy. Um, but no, that was uh, when we were trying to figure out how we were going to financially make this work. That was a thing that you offered a couple of times. Like, the Jeep was not going to make the drive, period. Like, yeah. we both knew that. The Jeep was not going to survive. It could be towed, but it is not making it out of Tennessee. <laughs> we, we knew it was not going to survive even the first day of the trip. So it was like, we either have to find a way to afford to tow it, or you offered multiple times if we couldn't afford the rest of the trip to sell it. And that was like... A thing that, like, really, like, it was incredibly sweet of you, and I think it says a lot about you as a person, but it was a thing that really bothered me, because I was like, I know that this Jeep is a personal symbol, and I was like, if this Jeep doesn't make it to Montana, I'm going to be sad that this Jeep didn't make it to Montana, so I was like, if nothing else makes it, this Jeep has to make it. She's not going to be around forever, but, (laughs) like, in in my head... I needed it to make the journey here. If it dies next year, then it dies next year. In my head, we have a cabin, like, in the woods, like, (laughs) ten years from now, and there's a side garage... And I've got my daily driver car, but in the garage, there's the Jeep still. And I'm just, like, slowly rebuilding it. So I could be like, I'm bringing you back to life, baby girl. No, like, your, your Jeep becomes the running joke of Ed's boat. So how's that Jeep going, Brad? I just paint it all black. I hire a graphic artist to, like, paint Frankenstein on the front of it. And it becomes my Frankenstein Jeep. So how fast does it go? 35 miles an hour. It's only used for mudding. That's all it, it is. It is a fun car, though. It's still the car we put around town even here in and it is a fun fucking car <laughs> it's a blast I, I, I love it but the book is is more or less going to be about that um and one of the things that i've been thinking of you know writing a rough draft for the first time in a while where i've, I've actually like this is what i'm sticking to i've got to get this thing written um is allowing myself to write all of that flowery bullshit you know, like when you're writing and you read back and you're like, ugh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> you hit the backspace and you just like clear a whole paragraph. Don't ever hit the backspace. Don't even fucking correct the misspelled word. Just hammer that son of a bitch out onto paper. Get it all down. Lay it out on your living room floor. Cut out all those adverbs and all that flowery shit later. I've edited enough stuff at this point in my life to tell you that it's a lot easier to cut it out than to add it in. (laughs) I'm trying to rewrite The Nightmare Box, which is like the first novel that I wrote, so that that can be published. It's a lot easier to cut stuff than it will be for me when I have to go in and add because the first one was... You know, I kept hitting the backspace rereading after myself. I have to add chapters and I have to add characters and it'll be like rewriting a whole new book as opposed to if I would have just blown it out three times longer than it is right now and just gone through with a pen and said, well, fuck that whole paragraph. This whole chapter doesn't need to be here. Like what I did with the girl that um, I took the contract from on Upwork. Mm-hmm. I was like, you don't need chapter 15. 
It's it does nothing. Now. Goodbye. It's it no longer exists. Do not add it later. <laughs> That's a. I don't know that he specifically words it that way or anything, but that is a thing in King's book on writing. He talks about locking yourself in the room when you're doing the rough draft, not letting anybody in, and just banging shit out yeah. until you get it out. So, yeah, I mean, your initial first draft of it is never going to be. Or it should never be, anyway, your final copy. If you're banging it out and calling it a day, you might want to reevaluate your commitment to your work. So, yeah, it makes sense to just kind of put it all out there, and then you can take a break from it, come back to it, and reassess what really matters. But it got me thinking, too, like as far as what you do, mm-hmm. um, what the importance is of overshooting in film. Is it anything? Like a Baron Pilsner lager. <laughs> How many different flavors are there? Four. I wanted to do all four. Um, <laughs> is it anything like a Baron Pilsner lager? A traditional German style, crisp, dry, and hoppy beer? I. You're enjoying that way too much. <laughs> you were enjoying. I'm gonna the, get an advertisement. <laughs> the Somebody's gonna pay apartment. me a hundred dollars a month. <laughs> I don't know if it's anything like that beer, but it is important. <laughs> um, I definitely preferred that one to the Montana. It's a little bit darker. The other one was a little bit more pea yellow. <laughs> this one's a little more amber yellow. Um, yeah, I. I weirdly and excessive in my photo taking but i'm probably not nearly excessive enough in my film taking like there is a point probably where you're just being a little absurd if you're doing 500 takes of one scene like oh, if maybe you're kubricking you it yeah <laughs> you need to be kubrick <laughs> <laughs> you need to yeah either be putting out the best thing that's ever happened or reevaluate yeah. your <laughs> life decisions but yeah you should always always shoot one more one more take, one more angle, you know, whatever. Um, Change I, the actor's delivery. Yeah. Um, like instead of yelling that line, try whispering that line. Or Yeah, know. for sure. Because um, you can't go back and redo it once you're in the cutting room. So I, like, I have personally in my own work gone to edit something. And some people do, like, start edits that are a little off-putting on purpose because it can emotionally affect the mood of the movie and if that's your intention then do that but if your uh, edits are obvious because you didn't shoot enough footage to smoothly transition then uh, that's an amateur move (laughs) you can't get everybody back together with that exact lighting on that exact day (laughs) yeah you, you you will never be able to perfectly replicate what was happening in that day. So, uh, yeah, always do one more. Cause, uh, um, it's, it's sucky if you're an editor for a living, but the fact of the matter is if you're a film editor, the sign of being a really good editor is that people don't notice that the movie was edited at all. Yeah. Like everything bleeds into the next. Yeah. (laughs) So if, if your edits aren't choppy on purpose, you have a problem. You should have shot more stuff and you should for sure make a, a habit of doing one more angle, one more take, uh, one more delivery even if your very first one because i've had that happen before um 
where I did a scene and like the very first one was good enough and I was like well I mean there was nothing wrong with it I didn't yeah. dislike anything about it the audio was clean the scene looked good the delivery was good but one more for safety and then when you go to cut it you've got options do you switch angles a lot in those moments um or do you try to hit the same angle and just get like five takes of that one angle so you can yeah, blend it all together? Yeah, you should do multiple takes of the one angle because traditionally um, when you switch your angle or switch even just um, like how close up you're shooting. If you're doing a wide shot mm-hmm. and then you move in for a big shot or you move in for a close up shot, you're going to have to rework your lighting 90% of the time because for one in a wide shot you can't put your lights in as close because they'll literally be in the scene. You'll be able to see them. So, um, yeah, when you move your angle or move uh, how close in you're shooting, you have to rework literally the entire set. So, yeah, I I would say shoot multiple takes, move into the next angle or the next shot or, you know, however you're um, doing your setup, you should have ideally a DP that has a shot list that they know what, you know, they're shooting wide master shots they're shooting medium shots they're shooting close-ups so you should have literally all of this planned out before the day of but i multiple takes of each one for sure and then move in reset up your set and do it all over again because you're only going to regret not having done it when you go to edit it (laughs) and the actors can get as pissed off as they want to they're not the ones working that day (laughs) yeah and um yeah, when I'm we did the... still shooting at you actors. I'll interview <laughs> any of you. <laughs> when we did the dolls, there was like one scene in particular because we were running behind on time. And that's another thing. Like, it's a bit of an amateur move. I see people all the time in uh, like the film groups I'm in talking about like, oh, well, this won't take long at all. It's only two minutes long. One single page of script is one minute of film. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty common. Um if, if you have an excess of description or shit, yeah. maybe that's not accurate, but a screenwriter who knows what they're doing and is appropriately writing a script, um, one single page of My screenplays script. are nightmares. It's, it's, <laughs> it's 35 pages long. It's a five-second Pepsi. <laughs> I'm just saying, traditionally, one single page is about a yeah. minute of film time. Um, so, and I have spent more than an hour on a minute of film before so it's a bit of an amateur move to be like oh it's only a two minute film we'll knock this out in 15 minutes no. we're good if you're gonna be there prep yourself to be there if you're you know getting there at lunchtime, you're probably gonna be there around the time it's time to shoot for dinner <laughs> uh, if you're there for breakfast prepare to hang out for lunch just you know don't think you're gonna get in and out in a half an hour it's never that fucking quick yeah no it's not and um I haven't done enough films, honestly, to know what the standard is, but um, I know even just doing 10 pages of script in one single day is a pretty ambitious day. Um, You honestly don't knock out anywhere near as much as you think you're going to knock out in one day of film if you're being um, judicious about the work. So uh, don't screw yourself and try to put too much in one day for sure, because it's going to take you longer than you think it's going to take, and I... um, when we did the dolls, that was a school project, and I had a very limited amount of time that I had the crew available to me and the equipment available to me, and I probably tried to pack in more than I should have in the days that we did, and just general, like, 
you know, the audio fudging out during a take or the actor fudging their line during a take. There were a couple of scenes that took way longer than they should have. And there was like at one point um, later in the day where we were filming stuff and I was like, we're behind. Like, that was good enough. That's fine. Like, let's just move on. And then I went to edit it later and I was just like, why did I <laughs> do one more angle? Like... Like the shot is a, boring. It's two minutes long, and I have nothing but this one angle yeah. to use. We had a very simple shot, I thought, um, where one of our, not for the dolls, but for a different project, where the actor had to answer his phone, jump over a banister, and walk off screen. Those three actions. Mm-hmm. Less than 10 seconds. Mm. We must have done 20 takes. Because yeah. <laughs> we'd have like somebody walk by. Yeah. Like there was one scene where he almost jumped off. into someone because yeah. he was jumping the banisters. You could hear me in the background going, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, all, it always takes longer than you think it's going to take. So um, pad your time more than you think you need to pad your time so that you can take the time to do those extra shots. Because I have, in my own frustration of how behind we were in the day cut a scene short knowing I should have done another angle or another take and then went to edit it later and been like, I hate this scene. Like, I hate, hate, hate this scene and I can't redo it. It's too late. (laughs) So yeah, it is. Always, in any of your artistic work, sometimes more is better. And then when you're doing the final product, cut, cut, cut. (laughs) How crazy, because you got a lot of footage, do you think your documentary is going to be? I hope. Um, unfortunately, in the car, a lot of the footage that I shot was on my phone, which I have an iPhone X, and honestly, it's pretty damn decent quality. It's not um, professional camera yeah. quality, but um, it, it was getting better angles than my camera was, and I was having to manually adjust like the lighting and the focus and all that on my camera. It was just a bit more of a hassle than it was worth, so a lot of that footage, unfortunately, is on my phone. Um, but I, I, I hope that it goes on to be kind of extensive because, like, my initial idea with it was to do, like, our first winter here and everything and just yeah. adjusting to the lifestyle here. So everything that I shot on the drive up here, which was over a thousand <laughs> photos slash videos, I don't know exactly yet how many videos I got because I haven't finished downloading them all yet, but um, that's only the beginning of it. <laughs> so, like, I, my plan was to, over the next couple of months, yeah. uh, shoot stuff. <laughs> Get video, get film. Yeah, yeah. like our first snow, our, our first... Can I do like a real world like interview where like it's just me up against a pink background well, I, going, this bitch is out of her Not up mind. against a pink background, but I, I did want to <laughs> like get, because um, <laughs> some of press podcast selections for the audio just will not work. So uh, most yeah, of the driving... We listen to like Legion of Skanks and they were talking about like child porn in the background when there was you're looking a lot out of, of South like, Dakota. politics and sex going on <laughs> for some reason and that wasn't intentional on either of our parts. For some reason the topic of the day on every podcast we loaded like like lean towards a sexual nature. Sex. I was just like, what is going on? So pretty much Ben all. Shapiro talking about blowjobs. Uh, I should be the theme of... Um... But yeah, a lot of the audio from that is basically useless, so I I did want to kind of sit down and do like a, your perspective of prior to, during, and kind of now, and like, you know, maybe I would do some voiceover stuff too, and then like actual literal footage of us too, so I I do kind of want to do some interview style stuff on top of it, but yeah, I, I would 
ideally not like to be done with it until honestly maybe even until after the winter is over so that's months away from now before i'm done with it and literally everything i've shot was just like oh the intro <laughs> like i'm thinking about playing around with because i got a lot of footage of us driving playing around with like the speed and doing like almost like a time-lapse-esque yeah. sped up video of like the car driving through all these <laughs> landscapes so we'll see how it goes but uh yeah i i shot for sure over a thousand photos and videos combined and that's it's going to be a busy week. <laughs> Ciphering through all yeah. of that stuff no, just to I, find the raw material that you want to make it out of. And then you're going to become too flowery. you got to cut out of that. It's going to be it clips from this thing, clips from that thing. You know. I was downloading it onto my hard drive before I made the drive up here. And I got about halfway through it. And I was like, I'm just done. I'm done. I don't want to. I don't want to back up anymore today. I'll do it later. So, yeah, I shot way more than I probably should have. Well, I got in the shower yesterday while my uh, laptop pushed off to my hard drive the 70 hours of podcasting <laughs> material we have given you guys. So, um, um, Invest in hard drives. Invest in sure. hard drives. You don't want to get your uh, computer pissed on in a Tennessee, Tennessee storm. storm but. All right. You got anything else there, love? Mm, no. Good? Mm-hmm. You're positive? Ready for steaks. Motherfucking steak. Mother- Brett and- makes the best fucking steaks you've ever had. And we don't even have a grill here. Like, we have, like, a grill out oh, on a pavilion. When we get a grill. I'm fucking up burgers tomorrow, by the oh, way. My God, on a grill. Yeah. On a, but, like... Brett and a grill pan is like a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I might burn the whole goddamn apartment down, but you won't be able to taste the difference. I don't fuck around. <laughs> start a cooking show if you guys start paying us. Um, but in the meantime, you can send us all your recipes or short films you've been working on or short stories you've been working on via the email at uh, that would be nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. Or you can send them over on Facebook over hanging out there. <laughs> Facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions. If you guys want to keep up with all of our fun pictures that we've been doing as of late, you can swing on over to Instagram at... At nightmareboxproductions. Or over on the Twitter, which I need to get better about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at nightmareboxpro. Um... And you can go to the website. When you go to the website, you'll see a couple of stories. I promise you guys I'm going to start writing stories for the website once things settle down here. Um, But in the meantime, you can buy the Madman Diaries. You can click the link over to watch the dolls. You can share the website with all your friends. And that would be... Um, that would be the Nightmare Box Stop blog. And if you buy a copy of the book right now, no copies of the book thus far have been sent out personally signed from Montana. So you will get the first personally signed copy yeah. that came from Missoula, Montana. You send me $10 in your address. I don't care where you are in the world. I will send you a copy of this book. I don't care. It costs me $12 to send the motherfucker out. I will give you a copy of the book, $10 autographed. I'll get Kristen's autograph if you send me $15. <laughs> we'll double down on the fucking autographs. Maybe here. we'll tuck a picture of the mountains in between the pages yeah. for you. And if you want to keep up with Kristen's work over on her YouTube page, you can find her at Cash Pennington. No. You do that every time. That's Fuck. my Twitter. 
Kristen Pennington. No. YouTube.com uh, YouTube. slash KP. YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington. <laughs> Cash Pennington is my Twitter. Uh, Brett's Twitter is, is it Bloom Brett anyone? I have no idea what my Twitter is, but you can cash me outside. How about that? <laughs> right. If you go to the Nightmare Box um, Twitter, we're both linked i think on a link i have pinned at yeah. the top so you'll find us i'm cash pennington i think brett's bloom brett 91 and if baron beer is down for bloom brett 91 to <laughs> boast bout bear beer <laughs> i'd be bound son i love you i love you i love you guys and uh we'll talk to you in a few days